As we gather together this morning, may we remember when you share with me what is most important to you, this is where listening begins. When I show you that I hear you, when I say your life matters, that is where compassion begins. When I open the door to greet you, that is where hospitality begins. When I venture out to bring you to shelter, that is where love begins. When I risk my comfort to ease your suffering, when I act against hatred and injustice, that is where courage begins. When we experience the full presence of each other because of our shared humanity, because of our differences, that is where holy gratitude begins. Our gathering is not complete until all are welcome. So may this be a space of truth and beauty where together we create an earthly paradise where all that we share is sacred. These opening words by Unitarian Universalist Minister Andre Moll, they, they welcome all who have gathered here on Zoom this morning to take part in Kensington Unitarian Sunday service. Welcome to members of the congregation, to friends and visitors who are with us live today, to those who may be listening in to the podcast or watching on YouTube at a later date. For those who don't know me, my name is Jane Blackhall and having been part of this congregation for 22 years, I'm now the ministry coordinator here and for the last four months I've been your student on placement as I finish up my final year of training with Unitarian College. If you're here for the first time today, we're especially glad to have you with us. Welcome. I hope you find something of what you need this morning, some comfort or encouragement, maybe a new perspective or insight, something you find yourself unexpectedly pondering later on in the week. Please do hang around afterwards for a chat or drop us an email to introduce yourself if you'd like. And if you're a regular here, thank you for all your commitment. Without you, there is no church. Even on Zoom, we all have a part to play in co-creating this sacred space and sense of community. So whoever you are, however you are, know that you are welcome here just as you are. As we always say, feel free to do what you need to do to be comfortable this hour. It is always lovely to see your faces in the gallery. It helps us feel more connected, but we know for some it will feel more comfortable to keep your camera off. So that is fine. Lurking is all right by us. And there will be opportunities to join in as we go, but there's no compulsion. In this morning's service, we'll be reflecting on keeping it real. How might we live our lives with a greater commitment to authenticity, to being ever more honest about who we are, how we are, and what our lives are really like behind the scenes? Also, why this sort of truth-telling about the messy and complicated business of living is a vital part of building beloved community together. I'm going to light our chalice now, as I do each Sunday and at other times when we gather. This simple ritual connects us with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists around the world, and it reminds us of the historic and proudly progressive religious tradition of which this gathering is part. Welcome, you who come in friendship, 
who long for genuine community. May you be graciously received here as your authentic self. Welcome you who come in curiosity, full of questions or simply open. May you embrace wonder and encounter new delights. Welcome you who come heavy with fatigue, weary from the troubles of the world or the troubles of your own particular life. May you rest and be filled in this sacred space. Welcome you who come with joy for gentle breezes, changing skies and trees in blossom. May the grace of the greening world leave a lasting imprint on you. Welcome you who come with thanks for the altruism of the earth and the gift of human care. May your grateful heart overflow and bless those around you. May this little chalice be a symbol of the community we're ever co-creating, a welcoming container of all the light and life we bring and share together. Let's hold all those joys and those concerns that we've heard in a spirit of compassion and loving kindness and take them now into a time of prayer based in part on some words by the UU Minister Richard Gilbert. Let's each do what we need to do to get ourselves into the right state of body and mind to pray, maybe shift your position, maybe take on a posture that feels prayerful to you. You might want to close your eyes or focus on the chalice flame, whatever helps you get your heart in the right place so that we're fully present with ourselves, with each other, and with that larger presence which holds us all. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being, as we turn our attention to the depths of this life, the cosmic mystery and wisdom that abides in all that is, we tune into your holy presence within us and amongst us. Spirit of compassion, enter our hearts. Be with us in the hard hours of our lives. Help us to be kindly this day. Spirit of unity, help us enter into the pain of our neighbours and all are our neighbours. Let us walk where they walk, that we might speak a gentle word along the way. Spirit of mercy, enlarge our sympathies towards all who are troubled. Let us be generous of heart, that we might forgive and be forgiven. Spirit of thanksgiving, let us be grateful for hands that serve, for those who give and those who receive, each of us in our turn. Spirit of realness, let us walk together in our weakness, that by treading the path of life together we may be made strong. Spirit 
of the spheres. Help us to face the very mystery of being. Secure us in the larger patterns we can trust and bless us this holy day. And in a quiet moment now, let us look back over the week just gone to take stock of it all. The many everyday cares and concerns of our own lives and all those concentric circles of concern rippling outwards till they enfold the entire world and all those lives which touch our own. Let us take a little while to sit quietly in prayer with that which weighs on our hearts this day. And let us also take a few moments to notice all the good that's happened in this past week. Moments of uplift and delight, beauty and pleasure, all those acts of generosity and kindness. Despite everything, there is lots to be grateful for. So let's take a little while longer to sit quietly in prayer and give thanks. Spirit of life, God of all love, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness, and call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. Time for our first hymn now. It's, uh, it's one of my favourites, but not one we sing that often. Break Not the Circle. It's got quite a mournful tune, but I find the words so touching and poignant. It speaks of our aspiration to create this ever-growing circle in which people can be real, can be themselves, a circle in which we all support each other to flourish. The words will appear on screen so that you can sing along with this recording by the Unitarian Music Society. And the organist plays the tune through once in full to give yourself a chance to familiarise yourself with it before you start singing. You might prefer just to listen. We'll do our best to make sure everybody is muted so nobody will hear if you do join in.
The title of this reading is Hiding the Mess by Barbara Merritt. About six cups of raw oats fell on the kitchen floor. The top had been left off the box and the cascade of grain was impressive. I got out the broom and the dustpan and started to sweep it up. When my four-year-old asked, if he could have the job. All right, I said, and went on making the coffee. A minute later, I looked around and saw, to my amazement, that he was studiously pushing small piles of the oats under the fridge, into the fireplace, and under the kitchen counters. I screamed, no, that's not how you sweep up oats put them in the dustpan. And he quietly replied that he had been hiding the oats. When hearing my story, my brother-in-law's only comment was, oh, that apple didn't fall far from the tree. True, I have been known to clean up the living room by gathering up the piles of papers and books and putting them in the dining room instead. I have shut doors when company was coming rather than take the time to make a room presentable. But later that day, I found that the instinct to hide the mess goes deeper than that. I was at the hairdresser and I explained to her that I was a nervous wreck about an upcoming speech. I wanted her to give me a haircut that made me look cool, composed and in control. I was hoping that the right coiffure might effectively hide my anxiety level. Then I put my back out. My doctor suggested that it might have something to do with the stress level I was carrying around about the speech. I told him in no uncertain terms that this was a ridiculous idea. My back went because I lifted a mattress the wrong way. How surprised I was to discover though, that immediately after the speech, my back felt perfectly fine. Even my body knows how to hide its pain away. The messy side of life is normal, healthy, and part of the creative process. Nature itself is wonderfully messy. Observe the pollen and the stringy stuff that fall out of maple trees in the springtime. Daffodils are glorious, but look rather bedraggled in late spring. Not all of life is pristine, beautiful, and orderly, and neither are we. It's all right to hide the mess, at least some of it from the general public. Emotional overexposure is culturally acceptable these days, but it does not always contribute to the common good. 
everyone does not need to know everything. But we shouldn't have to hide the mess from ourselves or from the people who love us, those with whom we are in community. Because in what we call the mess, creation is itself at work. This universe, our universe, is a place of life, growth, changed, spilled oats, and great confusion. And out of that odd combination, somehow the human spirit grows. Thanks, Harold, for giving our reading today. So we've come now to a time of meditation. You might like to uh, have a wiggle again, get as comfortable as you can in your chair. Maybe put your feet flat on the floor to help ground and steady yourself. You might want to close your eyes. There'll be just a few introductory words to take us into a time of meditation. We'll have a good few minutes of shared stillness together during which we'll put our chalice cam up on screen in case you find the moving flame restful. And we'll keep the chalice cam up a bit longer this week while we listen to our music for meditation, a lovely instrumental version of True Colours by Peter. As we always say, the words, the images, the music, they're just an offering. You are, of course, free to think your own thoughts and meditate in your own way. So today we're pondering what it means to keep it real in our everyday lives, in our interactions with others, whether that's in our close relationships or in our public face out in the wider community. And in this time of meditation, I invite you to ponder the place of realness or authenticity in your own life. Has it come easily to you to be honest with others about who you are and how you are? Have there been occasions where being open and vulnerable has been a gift you've given to others? Or have you perhaps been stung by times when such honesty hasn't worked out well for you? How about speaking your truth in situations where you appear to be the odd one out? Have there been occasions where sharing your perspective has opened up new insights for the wider community? Have there been times when your courage in speaking up has enabled others to do likewise? Let us take a few minutes now to meditate on the gifts and the challenges of keeping it real. And I encourage you to be kind to yourself as you reflect on your growing edge of realness.
Today's theme of keeping it real, authenticity, honesty, talking about the messy realities of our lives is a big topic and it's a bit of a pet topic of mine. And I can tell you now, we're not going to do it justice today for reasons that I'll get to in a bit. I'm pretty sure there'll be at least one further instalment on the topic later in the year. We'll come back to look at some other facets of realness that we might do well to cultivate in life and that we won't have a chance to look at today. But first, I want to share a very short reading with you. It's, a, it's an excerpt from a 2013 interview with the Quaker teacher Parker J. Palmer on the notion that we might aspire to living an undivided life. A life in which the gap between our sense of who we truly are and the face that we present to the outside world, where that gap is small. Palmer speaks how, as small children, um, we usually start out undivided freely being our whole selves. But as we grow up, we tend to lose that freedom of self-expression as social pressures and conventions take their toll. This is what he has to say. There's a kind of wistfulness, I think, that happens in adults around the question, whatever happened to me? How did I lose that integral quality, that capacity to be here as I really am? As we think about our lives, I think the answer becomes pretty clear. For some kids, it happens sadly in the family. For many of us, it happens at school. We learn at some point that it's not safe to be in the world as we, who we truly are. If we express our true feelings, our true identity, we're going to get marginalised, we're going to get ignored, we're going to become invisible, we're going to be disliked or even hated. I think a lot of LGBT young people can tell you about that pretty vividly, but we all have our own version of it. Where there are pieces of us that we don't dare bring into the world for fear that something bad is gonna to happen to us. We try to get by, we try to pass, we try to play a role that's acceptable. But there comes a point in life where that divided life, that gap between who we really are and the face we put on for the larger world, that gap becomes painful. It doesn't happen for everybody, some people adjust to it, some live their whole life that way. But for a lot of people, the divided life becomes a source of pain. And we have to find some way to close that gap, to build a bridge between our own identity and integrity as adults in the world. Wise words from the Quaker teacher, Parker J. Palmer. Now, at this point in the service, you'd normally expect a sermon or a reflection or at least what we euphemistically call some thoughts on the topic of the day. But instead, and I feel this is appropriate given that today's theme is keeping it real, I'm going to hold my hands up and admit that this is not really the service I was planning to give today. In a service where I was planning to talk about the importance of being honest and open about who we are and how we are, how we're doing, and our struggles, all the ways in which we haven't really got it together, all the mess we might be tempted to sweep under our metaphorical kitchen counters. It seems in keeping to admit that the wheels came off this week's sermon writing process. And in the end, sometime quite late on Saturday night, I decided to admit defeat. It just wasn't going to happen. Quite a few of you have heard me grumbling or seen me wincing over the last few weeks since I hurt my back and I've been struggling with sciatica. I've been rather heavily medicated and strapped up most of the time. 
So in the last few days, when I should have been preparing this service, it all caught up with me. So the sermon you would have got this morning is going to have to wait for another day. There'll have to be a part two anyway, maybe even a part three as well, because this subject of keeping it real is an important and multifaceted one, which we can revisit endlessly from different angles. But instead, I thought I would turn back the clock and offer you a relevant excerpt from a sermon that I wrote a whole seven years ago, which shows you how long this topic has been on my mind. Not the whole sermon, but it's a bit longer than a reading, about eight minutes worth. So settle in. I hope it does the job. It's called Revealing Our Authentic Self. I want to say a bit about revealing our authentic self in our everyday life to others. Authenticity is about being real, about avoiding pretense, telling it how it is, being sincere. We all make choices which may be made quite self-consciously or quite unconsciously about how we present ourselves to others. I imagine most of us can think of occasions when we've buffed up or toned down some aspect of ourselves to get along in social situations. And up to a point, that's just a necessary part of getting by. Yet I imagine that authenticity and integrity is something that many of us aspire to. Personally, the ideal that I'm aiming for is to be my whole self, wherever I am, whoever I'm with. I have a number of different circles of friends, friends from church, friends from the wider Unitarian denomination, from previous workplaces, students on courses that I've taken, people I've met off the internet who have shared interests or similar political concerns. I live at the intersection of quite an interesting Venn diagram, and I guess most of us do. That's before I even consider all the people whose lives bump up against mine by chance rather than by choice. And there could be a temptation to present a very different version of myself, depending on who I happen to have in front of me. But like I said, I aspire to be my whole self, wherever I am, whoever I'm with. So this means repeatedly outing myself one way or another in communities where some part of who I am goes against the grain. These days, for example, there's quite a lot of anti-religious feeling out there in the world at large. So it can feel like quite a big deal to be open about the fact that we're Unitarians, that we go to church on a Sunday, albeit on Zoom these days. In so many situations, there's a pressure to go along with a herd, or just keep our head down and our mouths shut, rather than speak our truth and risk being judged for who or what we are. Now in my life, being religious, being Unitarian in particular, that's quite a visible part of my identity. As soon as anyone asks, what do you do for a living? What did you do at the weekend? My answer's going to give it away. But there are other parts of my identity that are just as significant, but not by default so visible. And I often make a positive choice to bring these invisible aspects of my identity to light. So, for example, I often out myself as bisexual or out myself as having had struggles with anxiety and depression across my life. Why do I do this? Well, psychological visibility is vital for humans. It's important for us to be seen and acknowledged and valued for who we actually are. Also, bringing to light the infinite variation of our human experience, making it real for others, giving a face to these hidden sides, it can help give strength to others with similar experiences. 
it contributes to the liberation of all. Social pressure can have quite a stifling impact on human diversity, human flourishing and happiness. Normativity, convention and the harshness of the world, they can combine to constrict our view of what's possible or allowed. They can squash our potential, prevent our full flourishing and suppress the expression of our authentic selves, our reality. Another challenge to our authenticity comes from the social, social pressure to keep up appearances. Many of us would like to give the impression that we're more or less in control of our lives, that we're on top of things, we've got everything together, everything's cool, we're sorted, whatever the underlying reality might actually be. On top of this, we might like to show everybody how full and exciting and purposeful our life is, and perhaps make all this activity look effortless while we're about it. This pressure to put up a front, to hide the more complex reality of our lives, ourselves, is a sad thing. Wearing a mask of everything's okay places a barrier between us. If we are always comparing our secret inner reality, including our imperfections, our struggles, our pain, with everybody else's perfect shiny facade, we're likely to feel increasingly alienated and ashamed these false fronts, they ultimately isolate us from each other. So we can give a great gift to others by sharing our struggles and our brokenness, showing our vulnerability, revealing our particular, unique, authentic self to the world. This can often open up a point of true connection. And authenticity can be contagious. Your openness and sincerity can give others permission to truly be themselves too. By unilaterally practicing this way of being in the world, you can show the way to others and pass it on to generations to come. I've been rattling on for a bit about how marvellous and desirable it is to be your whole self, wherever you are, whoever you're with. But I have to acknowledge that it requires great courage or at least a certain amount of self-confidence to be fully authentic in this way. The prospect of revealing your authentic self can be quite terrifying in some circumstances because self-revelation does make you vulnerable. Vulnerability can be a good thing because it opens up the possibility of connection. It invites and enables other people to be themselves too. It affirms our common humanity. But it is true, making yourself vulnerable can also get you hurt. What if people see the real you and then reject it? It is an understandable urge to hunker down and stay safe and stay unseen. We often quite legitimately put on masks and disguises for the sake of self-protection. So when I advocate authenticity, I'm not taking it lightly. I know there is a cost. I think it is good to reveal more of our authentic selves and that that is part of making the world a better place. But just because of the way the world is right now, there is a balance to be struck between self-revelation and self-care. I reckon there's something we can do as individuals and collectively in congregations as Unitarians to help support and encourage people in the process of becoming their authentic selves. We can create safer spaces, softer spaces, kinder spaces. We can create communities or even just small moments of refuge and sanctuary. I'm imagining something almost like a nature reserve for authentic selves, a protected space 
a carefully cultivated habitat set apart from the harshness of the prevailing culture, a place where people are free to flourish. I'd like to see us be really intentional about doing something countercultural in this way. Let us strive to make this congregation a generous space, truly welcoming of all, where people are nurtured and encouraged to grow. At our best, I feel we're already doing something like this. We do it at our carefully structured small groups like Heart and Soul, in rituals like Candles of Joy and Concern, in our occasional mini retreats and engagement groups where we sometimes use a group covenant to help intentionally cultivate that safer, softer, kinder space to support people in being real and being gentle with each other as they share the messy truths of life. To do it well, day in, day out, in a church community and in our everyday lives, it is hard work, but it is vital work and work of the spirit. So may we aspire to co-create a space where each and every one of us can truly keep it real. Amen. Time for us to sing again. Our second hymn is another one that we don't sing that often. Um, in fact, in all my searching through the church archives, I could only find one recording of us singing it back in 2019. You will hear we were a little bit tentative with it even then, though I think we gain a bit of confidence with every verse. Still, I love the message of the words, so I thought it was time to bring it back, give it another chance. The harvest of truth. And as before, the pianist, I think it was Sandra on duty that day. It's nice to have her in our service today. Uh, she plays it through once in full to give us a chance to get a hang of the tune. Um, perhaps the more often we practice it, the better we'll get. The words are quite traditional, but it expresses something timeless, I reckon. It calls us to a life of love and truth and authenticity, to refrain from hollow words and deeds, as it says. Also, it includes the excellent word fruitage, which makes me laugh every time I hear it. So I challenge you to sing along with more gusto than we managed in 2019. Or as always, you can just sing, listen along and enjoy all the rustles and coughs that are part of the charm. The harvest of truth.
just a few announcements now. Thanks to John for his valiant hosting today and for Janine for being on standby as coach and uh, and supporter. Thanks to Harold for our reading and Peter for all the lovely music. As ever, there are a number of opportunities to connect with the congregation in the week ahead. Coffee morning is at 10.30 on Tuesday. Newcomers are always welcome. Heart and Soul, our contemplative spiritual gathering, is this week on the theme of repair. One or two spaces left tonight with me, or you can join with uh, Rita on Friday. If you're new, please do feel free to get in touch to introduce yourself, drop us an email, or ch stay for a long chat afterwards. Uh, we will have virtual coffee time in small groups if you'd like. And if you can bear it, we'd like to take a group photo after the closing music. We'll be back on Zoom next week at 10 when the service will be led by Sarah Tinker and Karina Dolso on the theme, the delightful theme of playfulness. Uh, it's fine to share the Zoom link with your friends. And in fact, all being well, next week, we're going to have a visit from Chalton Unitarians. The congregation will be having a virtual day trip from Greater Manchester to be with us next week. So do come along and welcome them. I'm going to be off on holiday, uh, not going anywhere, but I'll be off work for just over a fortnight now, clocking off after heart and soul tonight, and I'll be back at work on the 18th of May. All the usual events will be carrying on in the meantime, thanks to Janine and Laura and Rita who are covering heart and soul. The coffee morning will be self-service. Um, you will be getting your mailing list emails at usual towards the end of the week with all the details of what's coming up. Also, I want to flag up that in next week's email, there will be hopefully a link to the church annual report ahead of your, our congregational AGM, which will be taking place after the service on the 23rd of May here on Zoom. As I hinted at the start of the service, this is the final week of my official student placement. Um, in practice, I will still be carrying on as ministry coordinator for the foreseeable, so normal service will be resumed when I come back from my holiday. You probably won't notice much difference. But my tutors from Unitarian College have been in touch with the chair of the congregation uh, about the placement. And I think Roy has got a few words to say about that. So I will hand over to him now. Thank you, Jane. And, um, and good morning, everyone. Um, that's right. As, as part of the uh, ministerial student placement program, uh, the Unitarian College wrote to me recently uh, and asked if I'd put together a letter. The purpose of which is to show our gratitude of the student minister's work with us and to encourage her as she goes forward in her career. This I was delighted to do. Um, composed of a, of a broad cross-section of members and regular attenders, um, the contributors were requested to have their, to give their thoughts and good wishes um, and uh, towards Jane and encouragement and I would present the com completed document to Jane at the end of her placement. Well, obviously um, this will be uh, an electronic presentation via email, um, as of course we are Zooming at the moment. So a big thank you to all those who responded and suffice to say, the result was, well, a cornucopia of beautiful, heartfelt, appreciative and encouraging words, Jane. As far as we're concerned, Jane, you are always on placement here. And indeed, you're embedded <laughs> in our faith community and in our hearts. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, Roy, and thanks to everyone who contributed. That's, uh, yeah. 
I'll probably make it to the end of the service, but uh, thank you for all your support and encouragement. We've just got our closing blessing and our closing music now. So I invite everyone to select gallery view if you can, so that we can get a sense of our community and connectedness as we close. Go in peace. Live simply at home in yourself. Be just in your word and just in your deed. Remember the depth of your own compassion. Do not forget your power in the days of your powerlessness. Do not desire privilege and never stint your hand of charity. Practice forbearance in all you do. Speak the truth or speak not. Take care of your body, be good to it, for it is a good gift. Crave peace for all peoples in this world, beginning with yourselves. And go as you go, with the dream of that better world set firm in your heart. May it be so, for the greater good of all. Amen.